St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews 4 14-16, 5-1-6. Brethren, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this he is bound to offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not take the honor upon himself, but he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, as he says also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Dash, 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 dash. We need to see these two passages as parallels, yet there is a difference between the two. The passage in this epistle from Paul to the Hebrews is obviously taking place during the New Covenant, while Jesus' words in the Gospel reading are taking place during the Old Covenant. These passages parallel one another in the idea of calling and response. It is about covenantal responsibility. For those who were the people of God in the Old Covenant, the blessings for obedience were clearly articulated as being temporal in nature. The one who was faithful could look forward to long life, many children, peace in the land and agricultural abundance. We see this in Jesus' words as He identifies focus. The man who focuses on merely gaining the world or to put it in Old Covenant terms, material blessing will actually still lose everything. No matter how financially successful one is, eventually all men die and, in the time of the Old Covenant, would be enslaved by death with no chance of coming into the presence of God. In Mark 8 34-38, 9-1, we read. The Lord said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man, to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed, when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Here, Jesus is identifying who he is and what it is he has come to do. The incarnation occurred so as to bring the kingdom of God and fallen men back into communion. Prior to the Incarnation, all of creation was under the dominion of death with no chance of escape. It is when Jesus took on human flesh that He could fill that role of the second Adam, free creation from the power of sin and death and bring men back into the Kingdom of God. If men would reject Jesus and His role as the second Adam, then there would be no hope for them, there would be nothing but material blessing for the short time on earth. As Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain even the whole world, if he only ends up enslaved to death and out of communion with God? He speaks even stronger by revealing that this restoration will take place in his lifetime and in the lifetime of his immediate audience. There are some here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Man's freedom from the power of death and the restoration of man into the kingdom of God will take place before some here die. Moving on to the epistle reading, we see a change in focus on the materiality and response of men to the Messiah, to a focus on time after the change from Old Covenant to New and the role that Messiah as High Priest will take. When Jesus spoke to the Jews of His time, He was speaking within the context of the Old Covenant and its material, temporal focus. For the Old Covenant believer, it was all about temporal, material blessing for faithfulness. 
But under the new covenant, the Messiah has come and was faithful as the second Adam and successful in restoring the relationship between God and man. The focus in the epistle reading is about the Messiah as the high priest and his faithfulness. From the time of the fall of man into sin to the moment that Jesus died, mankind could do nothing to restore himself to God. The coming of the Messiah and his perfect faithfulness restored that relationship. When Paul speaks of the Messiah as the high priest, he is reminding his audience that everything that Jesus has done in those two roles is that which saves us. It is not about man doing enough good or about being holy enough to earn salvation. Being the sacrificial lamb, being the perfect, sinless high priest and perfectly restoring fallen man is what Jesus did. Man's responsibility is to embrace Jesus as the Messiah and as his one and only intercessor for us for his salvation. Jesus' work of saving fallen creation is complete and comprehensive. He is the high priest who perfectly intercedes for us. As Paul points out, every other high priest that acted for the people of God during the Old Covenant did the best he could but because he was sinful himself, he needed to intercede for himself as well. That is not the case with Jesus. Jesus is perfect and sinless and completely and comprehensively fills that role. Man needs to do nothing to be in relationship with God. Jesus made that relationship a reality when he rose from the dead. Just as God created Adam and Eve, established his relationship with them and put them in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve's response was not in order to earn their way into the garden. They were already there and they were already in a right relationship with God. So too now, with Jesus as the high priest, having destroyed the power of death, man's responsibility is to simply be faithful to the covenant relationship he is already in. He has been given eternal life, he is no longer under the power of sin and death, he is loved by God and is called to love in return. The point here is one about proper response to God in the covenant relationship in which we live. During the Old Covenant, the proper response was faithful obedience to the external rules and regulations but the only blessings one would receive were material in nature. Faithfulness in the Old Covenant did not free men from the power of sin and death, it merely made life on earth more enjoyable. One could gain the whole world but still be enslaved to sin and death. But now, during the New Covenant, it would be foolishness to keep thinking in the same manner. One could live in a way that produced great material wealth but one would still lose his soul. Instead, understanding that eternal life awaits us on the other side of physical death but that eternal life can be prepared for by focusing on loving God and loving neighbor, not by seeking after material wealth.